I'm Jojo. I'm Bugs. And welcome to our podcast. We bring our sidewalk conversations to your home to discuss love, life, and how they're all wrapped up with faith. Unexpected Hope talks about life when expectations don't line up with reality. Hear true stories when only faith and resilience get you through. Let's go with the flow. Woohoo! And welcome everybody to the second and new season of Unexpected Hope. Our first guest speaker this season is Pam, a woman who struggled with infertility and the pain of not being able to have her own children. After wrestling with God, she found contentment and two unexpected miracles. Stay tuned. So we have received so many requests to do stories like yours, Pam, about infertility. Again, we thank you so much for sharing your story. Well, I'm glad to be here. So, I mean, you've been through a big journey. Let's actually start from the beginning. What were you expecting your life to look like during your adulthood in marriage? Well, when I was in college, I had two very good friends. They're still my very good friends. And the three of us used to get together. I don't know if other women do this, but we used to get together and make lists of the kind of qualities we were looking for in men and (laughs) eventually marry. And we did this often. And I just remember consistently always telling my girlfriends that I wanted to be not just married by age 25, Mm -hmm. but also with children. And that was a consistent desire of mine at that time. Well, as it turned out, I did not get married at 25. I did not have kids at 25, but I did meet an amazing guy. And we got married when I was about to turn 28. And so do you have like any family plans at that point or milestones that you wanted to hit after you got married? Well, when I got married close to 28, my husband was just about to start residency and we were just busy with life. He was doing his residency and I was working. And I think we were just assuming that if um, we were going to have kids, it would just come naturally. Mm -hmm. And that was our thinking. We didn't really have any plans. I remember going to see my family doctor just for a regular checkup when I was about close to 30. And she just kind of dropped this. She didn't mean to. It was kind of a bomb because she just said, oh, you're almost 30. Hmm. Do you want to have children? And I said, oh, eventually. She said, okay, well, if you don't have children by 31, I highly recommend you come in and talk to someone who's a fertility specialist. And that was the first time I heard what? fertility specialist and it just dawned on me like hey one minute I am getting older and why aren't I getting pregnant and so that was kind of the first thing that brought me to the attention of hey maybe I ought to start doing something about this well I mean that's interesting so were other people expecting that from you too to get pregnant yeah yes Lynn has a very large family and everyone just assumed that we were going to have kids. So, you know, at family reunions, Thanksgiving, Christmas, it always come up. Hey, when are you two going to start a family? And we would just say, well, when it's God's will or, and uh, we really didn't have an answer because we actually didn't know why I couldn't get pregnant. So you weren't worried about it, but you were expecting that at some point it would happen. I just expected things would just fall in place naturally. Like it was happening with my other friends yeah. and that, that doctor's appointment kind of shook me up. It made me realize like, wait a minute, maybe something is wrong. 
So after that doctor's appointment, that's when you start to become more conscious about planning a family. Yes. Yeah, I think Lynn and I start to keep a record of when my menstrual cycles came and things like that. And then, and then that fear started to come in. I think that's when I start to get really fearful about not getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I remember every time my menstrual cycle came, I would get really pretty much devastated, really disappointed. Mm -hmm. And that happened for a year until I was 31, like the doctor said, and I finally went in and um, asked to see a fertility doctor. And so when you realized things weren't progressing, how did that make you feel? Well, initially, when she referred me to a fertility doctor, I was really excited. I said, okay, hey, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a problem solver kind of person. And I thought like, okay, hey, I'm going to go see a specialist and they're going to work all things out for me and everything's going to work out well. And I still remember the first time I stepped into that fertility clinic, there were dozens of couples there and everyone just looked so <laughs> forlorn. I don't know the right word, but everyone just looked anxious and depressed, or maybe I felt that's the way they looked. But when I stepped into that clinic, instead of feeling hopeful, I actually felt really discouraged. Like, like, wow, I'm in this place called fertility clinic and I'm here because there's something wrong with me. Like I started to believe that I start, start having this unhealthy image of myself. Like, well, my friends don't have to come here, but I have to come here. So I must be sick. There must be something wrong with me. Why can't I get pregnant? There's, there, there has to be something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that was the, the struggle I started to have was this really unhealthy image of myself. And my husband he didn't have that image. He was, you know, he was in the medical field and he kept having to remind me, Pam, you are not sick. You mm. don't belong in a hospital. You're actually very healthy. It's just that for whatever reason, you can't get pregnant, but that doesn't make you sick. But um, I just, I was not in a good place. I just, just believed my own thinking that I was sick. Well, it actually reminds me of that verse, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For those people who don't know, can you explain the different fertility treatments and what the doctors might've told you to do afterwards? Well, first of all, when I went in for my first appointment, they ran a lot of tests on me and my husband. Mm -hmm. um, they ruled out my husband was okay, that it was on me, which made me feel worse. And so they started with this Clomid treatment. I think it was just taking some drugs to just kind of jumpstart my system, so to speak. And I had bad side effects. So they immediately stopped that. And then they started this IUI treatment, which is to help, I guess, bring the sperm to the egg. Mm -hmm. And I tried that two or three times and that failed. And yeah. after that, they just kind of said, okay, these treatments aren't working for you. So why don't you consider doing in vitro fertilization, IVF? Mm -hmm. And to me, that was like, whoa, that's, that's serious because IVF involves a lot of medicine mm -hmm. and shots, daily shots, and pr a procedure to bring the fertilized egg mm -hmm. into your body. And I just thought like, whoa, that's really serious. Mm -hmm. But after those failed IUI treatments, I was still in my unhealthy state of mind thinking I was sick. And I was desperate. <laughs> I guess that's the right word. I was so desperate to get pregnant. Yeah. And, and so when my husband and I found out that our health plan would approve us for an IVF treatment. We said, okay, we're going to do this. Yeah. 
And I have to say that I was so desperate that if the doctor has said, well, Pam, in order to get pregnant, you need to climb up to a tree and, and go upside down on the branch eight hours a day, every day for four weeks. I think I would have done that. I mean, that's how desperate I was. Okay. And so we were in Boston and we saw, I guess, a well-known fertility doctor at one of the Harvard hospitals. They claimed a 25% success rate. Mm -hmm. And we like, we're thinking like, okay, great, we're going to do this. And we went in and even though I hate shots, mm -hmm. scared of shots, <laughs> I put up with these daily shots for almost a month to ramp up my system. And, and I was just so devastated when it failed. It didn't work. I had a few fertilized eggs and the cells were splitting, dividing, which was a good sign. But after about 10 days, they stopped, they died. And so that was just very devastating to us um, all the time that we spent. So my husband and I thought that time, we just decided, okay, let's just take a step back and think about things mm -hmm. uh, because my husband could just tell I was just mm -hmm. in such a bad situation that time in, in terms of just uh, grieving over not getting pregnant. I had girlfriends who were getting pregnant yeah. naturally. And I recall going to my friend's shower and having to get up abruptly during the shower because I could tell I was going to start weeping. Yeah. And so I just took off. Um, and I had to call my friend later on and apologize like, for leaving. Mm -hmm. I had another friend who got pregnant. And before she had her baby shower, I, I had to turn down the invitation. And I had to explain to her, I'm sorry, I'm not in a good place right now regarding pregnancy. And, you know, all my friends understood, but I, that just shows my state of mind at that time. And so you told most of your close friends what was going on. Yes, my close friends knew what was going on. Our family knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. So we definitely had people praying for us. Okay. And, and we were praying too. We didn't really understand why God wasn't giving us uh, a, a baby. Because in the Bible says, you know, children are a gift from God. And we're just saying like, why is God not giving us this baby? Mm -hmm. So yeah, we were praying too. And then after taking like a six-month break, after the first IVF failed attempt, we switched to another Harvard hospital, to another popular fertility doctor. And we hit it off really well with him. And he told us, he was very optimistic. And he just told us like, hey, you know, it is a 25% chance of getting pregnant. But most women, the ones who do get pregnant, they get pregnant after two and a half attempts. So you only did one attempt. So if you try a second attempt, um, the odds are more in your favor. And we're like, oh, okay. And, and it just sounded like, okay, that's a great strategy. You know, statistically, um, the odds are for us. And because I knew the, the regimen involved, it just went smoothly. The, the shots, everything just went smoothly. Mm -hmm. But then I found out like 10 days later after the implantation that uh, the cells weren't dividing again. And I really hit rock bomb that time. Mm. At that time, I was working and I was in the office where I was in the corridor where people could just look into my office easily because I had a window into the office. And I remember finding out while I was at work and I just had to find a place to hide. Mm. So I actually crawled under my desk 
so mm. that no one could see me while they were walking by my office. Mm. And I called my friend while I was under my desk. Mm -hmm. And the minute my friend picked up the phone, I just started bawling for about an hour. Mm. And my friend just was just such a sweet person. She just stayed on the phone with me for that entire hour and just kind of listened to my sobbing and, and trying to trying to just help me out of that that place where I was. So that was just truly rock bottom for me at that time. Yeah. But, you know, even though it was kind of rock bottom, it was actually a time of release hmm. because my husband and I just said, okay, if the second attempt doesn't work, we're just going to assume this is God's will for us not to have children. Or maybe it's God's will for us to adopt. So when we met with the fertility doctor to kind of wrap up everything, I just remember being at peace more than I had anticipated. Because mm -hmm. we were just like, okay, well, you know, thank you for all your help. We realized that it's not working for us and God must have a different plan for us. And I think at that point, I was still really sad, but there was just a sense of peace about it too. So the peace came when you finally released your tears and started to look at other options? Yes. I think my husband and I uh, were of the mindset like, well, we did all we could humanly do and it didn't work out for us. And we know that God is a loving God. And we know that he, he knows that my husband and I um, love mission work. Mm -hmm. So maybe God wants us to do mission work in the future. Mm -hmm. Or maybe God wants us to adopt. But we have to have the mindset that God is a loving God and not depart from that. Yeah. So we're able to find peace through the pain. Once you did find the peace, you said that God did something miraculous. Yeah. So during that same time, I switched jobs. I was able to get into an inner city school and I was able to teach third graders. And during that time, it was just such an amazing time because I had always wanted to work with inner city children. And I felt like God used these children to heal me of my sense of being incomplete or being unhealthy because I saw that these children, you know, they came from really rough, rough neighborhoods, hard backgrounds. And I just felt like God put me there to help them to be educated well so that they went into fourth grade successful. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt like I was fulfilling God's purpose. So I was at peace about not doing any more IVF treatments, but the kids actually helped me in my mental state. And then during that school year, when I was teaching the kids, we would have what we call circle times where we would gather on the rug and just kind of talk to each other. And I just remember one time when we were on the rug, one of the kids just happened to ask me, hey, Mrs. Che, do you have children? Mm. And I just remember stopping myself thinking, okay, Pam, are you going to start crying in front of the kids? <laughs> and I was just surprised. I didn't cry. I was very composed. I said, hey, I don't have children. It wasn't God's will for me to have children. Mm. And the kids looked confused. I guess maybe they never heard anyone say that they want to have kids, but couldn't have kids. And um, the conversation just kind of ended like that. But during that, that same school year, after I said that to the children, I just recall there was there were a few weeks when I started to feel really sick, like nausea. And I, I would just dismiss the sickness thing like, oh, I don't know what, what that's all about. And I just I would just go to work. And it just the feeling just started getting stronger to a point where 
I was in New York one weekend visiting my mom and I was just feeling so ill that my husband had to drive all the way down to New York to pick me up because I didn't trust myself not to throw up on the public transportation going back up to Boston. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I was so sick. Well, I mean, what did you think it was? It was like, did you think it was the flu? I don't know. I think I, in the back of my mind, I thought maybe I'm pregnant, but no, that can happen. You know, Mm. I just didn't know. I I just didn't know what to think. And I just, my husband's in the medical field. So as we were driving and I was just telling him about my symptoms, he says, maybe you're pregnant. And I said, no, I don't think so. And then I just said, I said, you know what? I'll set up an appointment to see a doctor. During that same time, during that school year, when I told the kids I couldn't have kids, we were told about this amazing adoption agency that worked with getting children adopted specifically from China. And that just resonated with Lynn and me. We're both Chinese Americans. So we just decided like, hey, why not? You know, if, if God doesn't think that's a great idea, I'm sure he'll stop us. And so we filled out the initial paperwork and everything, and we were approved and did the house study, and that was approved. And, and within a few months, our application was ready to be sent off to China for approval and for placement of a child. Yeah. So that was in February when I was about to send off that package to China. And that same day when I dropped off the package, I had to um, see my, my doctor because I wasn't sure what was going on with me. So I went to the doctor and she took a urine test and she came in and said, well, congratulations, you're pregnant. (laughs) And the funny thing is my cynical self said, wait a minute, you're going to have to do a blood test. You're going to have to convince me of a blood test. And she was like, sure, I'll do that. So she took took a blood test and she said, okay, you're definitely pregnant because your HCG Um, level is is through the roof and I was just just shocked like what we're adopting a child from China and I'm pregnant I was just it was just kind of I just thought like God must have a sense of humor about all this well I think what what happened was you found peace and God like kind of rewarded you with that peace yes yeah I agree with that Josie I really felt like I was living out Matthew 6 3 when I was with the children you know seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you I really felt like I was doing God's will when I was with those children that school year. Pam, I'm I'm so grateful for your story because I know there are a lot of people who have written into our show who are dealing with infertility and struggling to have children. You mentioned the verse in Matthew. Matthew 6.33. Yeah. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Are there any other Bible verses that you leaned on during that time? Um. No, not exactly, but but there's one verse that really speaks to me about my mental state during that time. Uh, as I mentioned, I just felt like I was incomplete. Mm. And now that I'm in my 50s and I look back, I think like, well, you know, society truly dictates to us what society thinks will make us complete. Yeah. You know, for example, you know, for me, oh, if you don't have children, you're not a complete person. Or I know like for my, my girlfriend, oh, if you're not married by such an age, you're not a complete person. Or if you don't have a Tesla in your garage, you're not a complete person. Or if you're not working for one of the high tech companies, you're not a complete person. And you know, now that I look back at my life, I just realized that that's a total lie. 
from mm -hmm. society. Mm -hmm. And this Bible verse speaks to that. It's uh, from Colossians 2, 8 through 10. It's the New Living Translation. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. So you also are complete mm. through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Mm. So this Bible verse really speaks to me because mm. I, I realize now in hindsight that my thinking that I was incomplete without a child mm -hmm. was not um, biblical, that I should have seen myself as a complete person yeah. because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. So you had two daughters, correct? Yes. Yeah, so what happened? Funny stories. I returned to my circle time. <laughs> I said, hey, kids, guess what? I'm actually pregnant. And I just remember the kids were so sweet. They were jumping up and down like I had won the lottery. It was just such a sweet moment. And, I, and it made me realize that when I was going through my journey of feeling lost, there were actually people who were kind of walking with me through that loss. Like, I mean, even the children, I guess they sensed that there was some kind of loss for me. So they were just so thrilled. And then I got on the, the phone with my mom-in-law and said, hey, mom, guess what? I'm pregnant. And my mom-in-law was so excited. She hopped into her car to drive to her own mother's house to tell her family because she happened to be having a family reunion that, that day. And she sped so fast. I think she went through a red light and the police stopped her and was giving her a ticket. And she said that she didn't care. She was so happy. <laughs> she said, thank you to the police officer. It just kept going. I mean, that's how thrilled she was. And yeah, we just had so many moments like that where my Bible study group was just so excited for us. They were just, they were just leaping for joy when they found out as well. I mean, especially with the children that you taught, you said that they were inner city kids with rough backgrounds and the fact that you actually in that circle time, the oh, fact yeah. that you like shared that God was in it and you submitted to God. I mean, I will say that this will take them through their adulthood, knowing that God can do all things. And in essence, your testimony will leave a legacy showing the amazing graces that God can do in their lives and throughout the rest of their generation. Okay. I do want to mention your girls are in their teens now, right? Yeah. So Grace turned 18. She's the one we adopted from China yeah. and she's in college now. We just dropped her off last weekend and our uh, biological child, she is now 16 and she is in her last year of high school. I love their names, Grace and Joy. Um, yes. Reasons why you picked those names? We picked those names because we felt like it was got by God's grace that we received grace. Mm. And when joy came, it was like, wow, God just gave us what we have been yearning for all these years. And so she was like our joy. Well, again, thank you so much, Pam, for sharing your story. It's just, I truly feel like it's encouragement to me. And I'm sure it's going to be such an encouragement to so many other people. So thanks again. Oh, thanks, Josie. Thanks for this opportunity. Whether you're dealing with infertility, or feel like you're missing something, Pam's story shows that if you have Jesus, you are complete. Colossians 2, 8 through 10 says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, 
rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. On the next episode of Unexpected Hope, Kathleen looks for meaning in her life and found it in the road less traveled. Hear her story of faith. If you have a story idea or need prayer, email us at jb.unexpectedhope at gmail.com. God bless.